My older brother is 11 years older than me. I remind him of that quite often. When, we're, when I was little and he was an older teenager, he used to tell me this story about this big, like a pine tree bush in our front yard. He would say, Donnie, don't get near that because there's a fox that lives under there and it'll eat you. And I believed him. And I remember growing up, when I would ride my bike, I would ride like very, steer, steer very clear of that tree because I didn't want to get eaten by the fox. And then I got old enough to use a saw and I literally cut it down and the fear was gone. Well, today we're starting this new series called What Keeps You Up at Night? And for a lot of us, it's fear. Fear and worry, that's the same thing. So don't think, well, I'm not afraid, I just worry. Well, if you're full of fear or worry, it's the same thing. Now, just to get started, uh, I just want to flash some images up, so don't run out the back door if these things scare you, but this scares some people, believe it or not. Uh, some people are very scared by that. So when you saw those news reports lately about clown spottings, you know, in different cities, you're probably thinking, I hope that does not happen in my neighborhood because I couldn't deal with it. Now, some people are, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who's afraid of what, but some people are afraid of this. Some people are afraid of the dark. Uh, for me, uh, I'm not afraid of the dark, but when I'm at the lake and I'm skiing or I'm on a tube and I fall off, I think about what might be below me. Does anybody else do that? I know there's probably not anything there that could hurt me, but I see pictures of the big fish, like as big as me. And I was like, well, at least they may not kill me, but it would be a fight that I don't even want to have. So I'm afraid of that. And I just have to push through that to go enjoy water sports, but I'm afraid of that. And so maybe you have a fear that you have to push through. Now, some people, uh, you're, this scares you. This freaks you out a little bit, right? You see that thing and you're like, oh, man. That's, ugh. does that make anybody do that? And then uh, this scares people too. And I want you to, uh, so we have something taped under every chair. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, there's nothing out there. But that scares some people. I live in a house with all women. And so if one of these gets spotted, I am the executioner. Always. Uh, it's, all I hear is, Dad, there's a bug, honey, there's a bug. And it could, be it could literally be that big or it could be like, I don't even see anything. I don't know what you're talking about. It could be something harmless or it could be a spider that could bite you. It's just a bug. And so if those things scare you, it's pretty easy to remedy that. If you're afraid of clowns, don't go to the circus. Just stay away from them. If you're afraid of the dark, turn on the lights. If you're afraid of snakes, stay away from where they might be. If spiders scare you, call an exterminator. But there are other things that we fear in life that aren't quite so easily remedied. There are things that get into our minds and into our hearts and keep us from sleeping, keep us from enjoying the life that God has for us. And our fears can go much deeper than just those things that you saw on the screen. Some people, and maybe it's you, that you arrived here today, maybe hoping to hear something but that, that would encourage you, but you're living in fear and you're paralyzed by it. And I don't have to share all the stats about how lack of sleep affects everything in our life. It affects our mood. It affects our health. It affects our mental capacity. 
And, and you know what I'm talking about. You lay down in bed and you start to think about things that you don't want to see happen or think things that might be looming in your life and the wheels start spinning and they start turning faster and faster and you look and it's midnight and you look and it's two and you look and it's three and you look and it's five and you think, I've been up all night worrying. Now, some people, the world could be falling on in around them and they just go to sleep. Now, the rest of us normal people, we're not like that. We worry about things and it can keep us up at night. And here, here's, here's the truth. As our fear increases, our faith decreases. And if you want to remedy being afraid of spiders, well, you just simply get an exterminator or a shoe and it's gone. But if you want to remedy fear that grips your life, the only way to do that is by increasing the faith in your life. Because you will find as your faith increases, your fear will decrease. When we were thinking about this series months ago, we did a Facebook survey and we said, hey, go online and tell us the things that keep you up at night. And here are the top things that you said kept you up at night. Thinking about conflict in a relationship keeps you up at night. You review it and you rehearse it over and over again and you just can't sleep because of it. Kids. Worrying about kids, that's kept me up. No evidence to worry, no reason to worry, but it just you worry. How are they going to turn out? What kind of a world are we going to leave them, for goodness sakes? Are they going to make poor choices? Are they going to abandon the faith that I'm trying to instill in them? That was the number one thing that people said they worried about that took the survey. They worry about their kids. Aging parents, health. You know, is the doctor visit going to go well? Am I going to get a negative test? Is it going to be bad? Am I going to have to worry more? Jobs. People worry about their job. Getting one, keeping one, losing one. Is my job performance good enough to keep my job? Past and regrets is another big area of worry. Finances. Are we going to have enough money to pay for this? Are we going to use it wisely? Are we going to have enough money when it's time to retire? And the worry goes on and on. Worrying about the future and things you can't control. Every one of those things has the potential to keep you up at night. And whether you've been dealing with it lately, short term, or whether you are a chronic worrier and you have insomnia for month after month and year after year and you just can't sleep, there's a way to get past the fear and worry and increase your faith in such a way that the fear and worry can subside in your life. One of my mentors that I go to for advice, and I've gone to him for years. He's in his early 80s now. And there was a time in my ministry when I was feeling particularly anxious, and I wasn't sleeping well. And I was worrying about a lot of things that I had no control over, or how things were going to turn out, or if people would accept and like, or if the church was going to grow. All those things that anybody in any profession would worry about. Like, how are things going to go? So I call him up and I'm telling him all this. And he said, Donnie, Donnie, don't, why are you laying in bed at night, tossing and turning, wearing out your sheets? When God is up anyway, just let him worry about it. And what he was telling me is, why don't you just say, God, since you're going to be awake all night, could you just worry about this for me and let me get some sleep? And it took a long time for me to be able to take that step and say, God, I'm worried, I'm fearful, 
but hey, you're up all night anyway, and I need to get some rest, so I need you to take this for me. Now, that's easy to say and so hard to do because the, the areas where we have fear are the areas where we trust God the least. It's the areas where we say, God, you know, I really don't think you can handle this, so I'm going to worry about it. I'm really not sure you're going to show up, so I'm going to stay up all night worrying, and that will make things better. What's the solution? Well, I'm just going to worry about it until it goes away. Nobody's ever going to say that. How'd you get through that difficult time? I worried, and I was afraid, and I thought about it over and over, and I ran the tapes over and over and over in my mind, and then one day, I just conquered it. And it was because I worried so much. I've never heard that story. I've never heard anybody say that. Nobody's ever said, how can I worry more like you? Because you're great at it. <laughs> and many of us, we come from a long line of worriers. Probably if you're a worrier, maybe your parents were, they were worriers too. And maybe their parents were worriers. And the grandma and grandpa, they were worriers. And they just handed it down from generation to generation to generation. And you've gotten really good at it. Worry and fear are simply a lack of trust in something greater than you. Worry and fear are simply a lack of trust in God. Now, if you struggle with guilt, I know you're thinking, thank you very much. Now I feel guilty. That comes later in this series, so we'll get you on that one, okay? So if that made you feel guilty, just keep coming back. We're going to deal with how guilt can keep us up at night and how we can conquer that. So all of us have something in our life where we're just not sure if we can trust God with it. We're just not sure if, well, God, can I really trust you with that? Can you really make that turn out for the better in my life? And we're just not sure. We all have, we all have this, this, box in our, oh, this box in our life that we're just not sure. Can I trust God with this stuff? And do I need a volunteer. I need somebody to come up here. Uh, somebody, just raise your hand. Come on, first service people, right there. This lady right here. All right, she doesn't know me. So if people that, people that know me are like, I am not sticking my hand in that box. There's no way he is too big of a practical joker. There's no way I'm going to do that. So this is someone I don't know. I don't think we've ever met. What's your name? Chandra. Chandra, nice to meet you. I'm Donnie. And um, I, I don't have the Band-Aids here, but I do have the disclaimer that I'd like for you to sign. I would like for you to just reach in that box. Just reach in there. Come on, just do reach in there and see what you can get. Reach in there. Oh, look at that. A little stuffed animal. Isn't that nice? <laughs> what? It's sweet. Chandra doesn't know me. She never met me. Uh, but she came up here, and in faith, she put her arm down in this box and just pulled it out. So thank you. You did a great job at that. I really appreciate it. Yep. And so for all of us, there's something that's in our lives, because there's some people I could have pulled, pulled up on stage that know me, and they would have said, uh-uh, not doing that. Not going to put my hand in the box. Not going to happen. There's something in all of our lives, if you're dealing with fear and worry, that you're saying, God, I've got this thing, and I'm going to hold on to it. And he's saying, just trust me, I can get you through it. And we're saying, no, I'm just going to worry about it. I'm just going to live in fear because of it. I'm just going to let it, I'm going to let it grip my whole life so much that it even keeps me up at night. So 
I've got it. And God, I'm not even sure I could trust you with it anyway. I'm not even even sure that if I gave it to you, that anything different would happen. So I'm just going to hold on to it. See, lack of trust in God increases my fear and worry. Trusting in God decreases my fear and worry. The areas in my life where I fear the most are the areas where I trust God the least. So if you're laying awake at night tossing and turning, you need to understand that will never be conquered until you start to demonstrate trust in something greater than you that can walk with you through anything and help you deal with anything that's going on in your life. So we're going to look at an episode in the life of Jesus that's in the New Testament book of Matthew. There's some Bibles coming in the aisles right now. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. It's the first book that tells the story about the life and ministry of Jesus. If you'd like a Bible, just raise your hand. You can also follow along on the screen. But we're going to read a story where Jesus is getting ready to rest a little bit with his disciples. He's got his inner circle that have been going around with him. They've heard him teach. They've seen him perform miracles. They've watched amazing things happen. And so they get in a boat, and they're going to go to the other side of this lake. And it's in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, we start to read about this story. Then, the, then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake, and waves began breaking into the boat. So the guy writing this down is Matthew. He would have been in the boat, so he knew... Uh, exactly what happened. And so he's telling the story from his perspective. And originally the New Testament, all the words you read in the New Testament, they were originally written in Greek and then translated, translated, translated until finally uh, they got translated into the English, English language thousands of years later or hundreds of years later. And the word that he used to describe this storm is a word that he only uses in two other places. And it's, it's a word that really means seismic activity. It's the word used when Jesus died on the cross and he talks about the, this earthquake, how the earth shook when Jesus died and the, and the sky turned dark. That's the same word. He used it again when he's talking about Jesus raising from the dead and the stone is rolled away and the earth shook. And then he uses it here when he's talking about this storm. So this was no just, uh, hey, a little squall popped up. The seas got a little rough. This was like a big deal to him. It was a huge storm. It was intimidating. It was scary. And it came along unexpectedly, just like that. Blue skies one second, the next moment, big storm. That's exactly how it can happen in our life. Everything's going along great. You think things are awesome and then slap, some big storm comes into your life that you never expected. I fly quite a bit and flying doesn't scare me. Uh, I, it scares my mother and I always call her when I get to where I am. Now I can text her, uh, which is really interesting, texting with my 81-year-old mother. But I text her and say, got here, plane didn't crash, smiley face. And she, does, she never thinks that's funny. There was one time I was getting ready to text her and the plane was taking off and I was like, it's not going to crash. So I, and I thought, I better not because what if it does? And so I 
probably shouldn't make fun of her, but she just worries. She's scared to death, and it doesn't scare me at all. I always pray, God, take care of my family, take care of me, keep me safe. Uh, but not too long ago, I was flying back from the West Coast, and uh, the plane was getting, getting ready to land on a connection flight. And you know that time when it's just starting to hit the runway, and you're kind of bracing yourself, you know, it's going to you know, push you forward a little bit in your seat. And just about the time you're getting ready for it to hit, uh, the thing just throttles up like really fast and banks over like that. And I was like, oh, geez. The woman beside of me screamed, grab my leg really hard. <laughs> I wanted to scream. I was like, I got to go change my underwear after that one. That was scary. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was like, it felt like it was like that. It wouldn't have been, but it really felt like we are going to just flip over and die right here. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, this is it unexpectedly, I'm bracing for a landing, and then all of a sudden, I'm bracing for an impact, maybe upside down, where I see a fireball, and we all die, and I'm really worried. The pilot almost immediately came on and said, folks, I'm really sorry about that, because he probably heard everybody scream like it was their last scream of their life, (laughs) and uh, a plane pulled out in front of him on the runway that he would have hit had he not done that maneuver, and so that was scary. That was unexpected, And when unexpected things come into our life, all of the sudden, it's a perfect opportunity for fear to surround our hearts, for fear to seep into our lives, and for our trust to just go so far down in our life that now we're living in fear. And so the unexpected could come at any moment. Things are moving along and You go to the doctor, you hear something you thought you'd never hear. Or you walk into your work and they say, we can't keep you anymore, we're making some cuts. Or you come home and he's left you. Or she's walked out on you again and you never saw it coming. So when the unexpected comes into our life, our fear rises and our faith retreats. So this big storm comes up in the life of these guys who are following Jesus and all of a sudden it's fierce and waves are crashing in. No doubt they're afraid and fear starts to rise and they look to Jesus and here's what happened. But Jesus was sleeping and the disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Now some of us may have prayed that prayer, God, you need to save me. I prayed it. When I thought the plane was flipping over, I was like, okay, God, take care of this, please. And if something bad happens in your life and you're a follower of Christ, the first thing you think of is, God, don't you care? We're going to drown. You seem silent. The reason I have to lay up and toss and turn and wear out my sheets and my bed is because you seem like you're sleeping. And it doesn't feel like you're helping me out very much. One of the other writers of one of the gospels, the messages about Christ, one of the other guys in the boat, his name is Mark. And Mark describes it from his perspective, what it was like to be in the boat. And here are the words that he used. Mark said these words, don't you care that we are going to drown? No doubt. He's, you know, there's a bunch of guys in the boat. There's 12 of them in the boat with Jesus and they're saying stuff. And Mark says, don't you care that we're going to drown? And if you've ever been gripped by fear in your life, you've probably asked the question, God, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm hurting? 
don't you care that my kids have rebelled? Don't you care that, that I can't make ends meet anymore? God, I'm drowning here, and it seems like you're just asleep. I felt that before. I've wanted to say that to God before. Just like the guys in the boat. Don't you care? Because we're going to drown. What they were doing, they were looking into the future, and they were using their imagination to think about that which they did not want to happen. That's what fear and worry are. It's wasting our imagination on the what-ifs. Well, what if, what if he does this? What if she does that? What if they lie? What if I lose my job? What if we can't make the bills? What if the doctor says this? What if this person becomes president? You know, it's looking into the future. And it's worrying about the things that you don't want to happen. Worry and fear are simply wasting the imagination that God gave you. It's projecting into the future the things that you don't want to happen. It's living in the what-ifs. Living in the what-ifs is not a pleasant place to be. And remember, these guys, they were with Jesus, and they had seen Jesus heal people. They had heard him teach like no one had ever taught before. They had even seen heaven like split open and a voice come down from heaven declaring, this is my son. Some of them would have witnessed that. And yet they're in this boat saying, do you not care that we're going to drown? Do you not care? Do you not even see the fear that's with us? So God, or Jesus, I'm not sure that it really matters to you. See, fear can cause us to question God's goodness. And the first question Jesus asks them when they display their fear is, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? I mean, imagine you're in the boat, and Jesus says, why are you afraid? And you're thinking, why am I afraid? Would you look around? There's water coming in the boat. Not all of us know how to swim. We definitely can't swim all the way to the shore. And you're asking why we're afraid? And I'm sure in Jesus' mind, he's thinking, have you not seen all of the things I've been able to do? Have you not seen the power that I've displayed in my ministry? And you're sitting there thinking, I don't care. And he says, you have such little faith. See, my, my abundance of fear leads to irrational thoughts. And if you've ever been stuck awake in the middle of the night and the clock keeps turning and you're still full of anxiety thinking about the things that you don't want to happen or thinking about worst case scenarios and running them over and over again, and then you talk to somebody who's a bit more rational, they're going to look at you and say, that is totally irrational. It makes no sense. Anybody ever told you that? Like those are irrational fears. Why are you worrying about that? You can't change anything by worrying about it. You can't change anything by being afraid of it. And Jesus is saying, why do you have such little faith? Why are you so concerned about this? And we're not unlike those disciples in the boat that day. And I think what keeps us up at night is less about our lives being out of control and more about our unwillingness to place our unconditional faith in the one who can calm any storm in our life. Because it says this, then he got up, rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Not only did he rebuke the winds and the waves physically, he rebuked whatever was in their hearts, causing them to doubt 
causing them to be full of fear. And then there was a great calm. Anybody ever have to go do a monster check in your kid's bedroom? Anybody have to do that? Check under the bed, in the closets, make sure you know nothing's coming down the hallway to get them. I can remember doing those things when our kids were little. In fact, one of our girls, uh, she didn't sleep well at all, and she would come in our room at night. And she would always come to my side of the bed uh, every time. And she would, when she was about the height of the side of our bed, so she would get face-to-face with me. I'm sound asleep and in a, in a complete restful sleep, Daddy. And then I wouldn't wake up. Then it would be, Daddy. It sounded like a little demon was coming to get me. <laughs> and I would like, ah, wake up, and I would scream. She would cry, and I would say, don't do that. I'm going to punch you in the face some night. <laughs> you're, you're scaring me. Say that from the other side of the room where the only thing I could throw is a pillow. But I would have to get up, and I would have to go back to a room. I'd have to determine what you're afraid of. Let me show you. It's all going to be okay. And that's what Jesus did for them. They were saying, we're scared, we're afraid. And he was saying, just let me take care of that for you. One minute, they're wondering about what's going to happen. And the next minute, calm. And here's what I think Jesus was trying to say to them. Not just, hey, I'm going to calm this thing in your life. He wanted them to know, because he would have known the storm was coming. He would have known he was going to take a nap. He would have known how they were going to react. I think he wanted them to know, I am with you even when there's a storm. When you were all worried, when you were afraid, I was right there. You didn't think I was listening. You didn't think I was paying attention, but I was right there. Wouldn't you love for Jesus to speak into the chaos in your life and say, I've got this under control? Because not only is Jesus willing and does in the chaos in people's lives, he also says, when the chaos is in your life, I'm going to walk with you. When chaos is going on in your life and you're gripped with fear, I'm going to stick around. And you may think I'm asleep, but I care what happens to you. Now, sometimes that's going to come through a physical presence or a physical understanding of Jesus calming our fears. In other words, a miracle. I know people. I, have, I know that God heals people. I know people that have experienced that. I don't know why he doesn't do that for everybody. But I do know when I look at the character of Jesus, that when he walked the earth, it must have been about more than just healing people physically, or he would have healed everybody. He would have gone into what whatever the nursing home would have been in that day. He would have walked into whatever a hospital would have been that day, and he would have just healed them all, but he didn't do that. So that means there's something much deeper than physical healing that Jesus can do for everybody. Because everybody's not healed, but everybody can experience peace in the middle of a storm. And if you've ever watched somebody going through a difficult time in life or a tragedy, things that you may think, how could I ever get through that? And watch them walk through that with a peace that went past anything you could understand. You see a person that understands God walks with us through the middle of a storm. You might be in a storm today. You might be dealing with something that you never thought you would have to deal with that's keeping you up at night. It's regret, it's health, it's money, it's relationships. Whatever it is, we need to understand that peace can come in the middle of fear. And it might not be through this miraculous physical healing or miraculous healing of a relationship. It may not be that. It might, but I guarantee it will be 
Him willing to walk through you in the middle of anything. As my fear increases, my faith decreases. So let's turn that around. When I increase my faith, I decrease my fear. If you were asked the disciples in the boat, how, how did you get through that? They wouldn't have said, oh, we cried. That's how we got through it. We were scared. And we worried our way through the storm. And it was all better. They would have said, no. We realized that Jesus was there with us. And when he saw our fear, he calmed the storm. And maybe the storm he needs to calm in your life is something that's going on internally that you just can't get past, that you just can't get over, that you just can't stop living the what-ifs over and over and over in your life, so much so it keeps you up, it affects everything about you. Here's how author Max Licato puts it. When fear is high, faith is low. When faith is high, fear is low. Feed your fears and your faith will starve. Feed your faith and your fears will. The number one fear is fear of the unknown, but it doesn't have to be that way. Because a couple of things we need to take away from this story. Jesus has the power to end my fear. Jesus has the power and will walk through me, with me, through the unknown. So when you're thinking, how are we going to pay this bill? How are we going to get past this? How are we going to afford this? How am I going to get by alone? What am I going to do that now they've rejected me? What if the cancer comes back? What if they cheat again? What if my child never turns back to Christ? If you lay awake at night worrying about it over and over again, and you're a follower of Christ, here's something I want you to remember. I want to remind you of this. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Apostle Paul is speaking to a much younger follower of Christ, and he says these words, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's read that out loud together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When fear starts to come in and grab hold of you, remember, that's not what God has for me. If you are a follower of Christ... The spirit he has given you is one that should have power over fears and worry. So what is it that you're saying, I'm not, gonna, I'm not sticking my hand in there? What is it that you say, God, I don't trust you enough? What's your box? God, I don't trust you enough with this, so I'm going to worry about it. I'm still going to let it have fear over me, in me. I'm still going to let it have power over me, and I'm not going to let it go, and I'm going to keep repeating it over and over. What's your storm? What's the thing that you need to realize that Jesus is saying, I got this. In, this? in this storm in the boat, he said, then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Wouldn't you love to have a great calm in your life? And the great calm is going to come through you saying, God, you know, I, I don't know what the future brings. I don't know what's in there. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I do know that I trust you with the future. I do know that trusting you with the future is way more productive in life than saying, what if this happens? What if that happens? So I'm just going to say, well, what if I trusted God with all of it? What if I just did that? There was a time in my life when I was gripped with fear. It, it was not long after I, the, the church was really starting to grow and, and growing more than I ever thought possible. And all of a sudden, just this fear out of nowhere started waking me up at night. 
and this anxiety and this worry tossing and turning and waiting till daylight so finally I could get some rest. For some reason, I could rest in the day, but I couldn't at night. And, and it just went over and over. And finally, I thought, I have to go talk to somebody about this because it's paralyzing me in every area of my life. No matter how much I prayed, no matter how much I had my wife pray for me, my friends pray for me, it was, I was just paralyzed. And I go and I'm talking to a counselor, talking to some spiritual advisor, and I'm saying, how can I get past this? And one of the big things that I discovered was a verse that I'd read many, many times. It's the one we've already read together. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, that God had not given me a spirit of fear. And if I had a spirit of fear in me, it was not from God, and He wanted it out. And by remembering that, by starting to live that, I memorized that verse. And every time I would wake up, I would think, God's not giving me a spirit of fear. Every time I feel the anxiety, God's not giving me a spirit of fear. And it wasn't long until where... I was thinking, I trust God with the future. It was a process. It wasn't an overnight thing. But there was this moment, I remember it. I was actually at the beach, praying, looking out at the ocean. I even picked up some sand, and I put it in a, in a baggie that my lunch was in, and I kept it, and I still have it in my office to remember any time I get full of fear, I remember that moment when I realized this is when I let the powerful spirit that he placed within me have dominion over the fear of my life. And that's the same thing that's available to every single one of you. Those of you who are followers of Christ, you need to remember that if you're living in fear. Those of you who are still investigating the church, investigating Christianity, seeing if the Bible's true, you need to understand there is an answer for all the fears that you face in life. And it won't remove every bad thing that's ever going to happen to you. But what it will do, that spirit of power will be with you through anything you have to walk through. So even if you're physically alone, you're still not alone. And God will walk with you through every difficult thing that you have to face in life. What other choice do you have than to place your faith in something bigger than you? Because I don't think anybody would say, worry is how you get through something. Place your faith in Christ. Maybe replace it today. And those of you who have yet to obey Jesus and say, I want to put my faith and trust in him, I believe that. We would love to guide you through that decision. Just when the band plays in a moment, you can go right back through those doors and there'll be a couple of decision counselors back there and they'll guide you through what it means to accept Christ. And then just like every time in the New Testament when somebody believed in Jesus. You can read all about this in the book of Acts in the New Testament. Every time somebody believed in Jesus and trusted in him, they followed that up with baptism, being immersed in water. And that just is, is saying, I surrender. I'm not going to be the worrier anymore. I'm not going to be filled with fear. I want the spirit of power in my life. And the people that you're going to see get baptized today who, just, who are deciding right now, who are decided before today even got here, are people who believe and have trusted in Jesus to forgive them. And if that's a step you need to take, you can do that. All you have to do is go right back through those doors. We have everything ready for you to do that today. Towels, t-shirts, shorts, makeup remover, all that kind of stuff that you might need today. You can do it today. Maybe your parents had you sprinkled as a child. 
because they loved you and they wanted you to grow up to know Christ. Applaud them for that. But take a step as an adult believer in Jesus and follow him in baptism. Maybe you did it once and you feel like, man, that did not take. I did not, do not know what I was thinking. And right now you just feel convicted like, God, I need to do it for real this time. You can do that as well. Just go back and somebody will guide you through that decision and ask you a few questions. So today we're going to celebrate people following Christ in baptism. We're going to celebrate people who have said, I do not want the spirit of fear. I want the spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. That's the spirit I want in my life. If you want that, we invite you to take a step today. Let's pray. God, today as people take steps of faith, may you encourage those who have yet to take that step, have the courage to claim the spirit of power that you offer each of us. I pray this in Jesus' name.